Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. On today's episode of Just Healthcare Daily, we hear from a behavioral economist and doctor about how we can get people to wear masks and social distance, as well as the balance hospitals need to walk in communicating to patients that they are taking the right precautions and that it's safe to come back in. It's Friday, June 5th, and I'm Alex Olkin with Just Healthcare Daily, where you get the headlines and health business and policy news in under 10 minutes. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review. It helps other listeners find the show. Showing patients how you are cleaning an exam room is an important visual cue to them that it's safe, says Dr. David Ash. He's a behavioral economist and doctor, professor at the University of Pennsylvania's Medical and Business School, and directs the Penn Medicine Center for Healthcare Innovation. He's also a partner at behavioral health economics consulting firm Val Health. Ash says as people start to come out from lockdown, they have different needs and safety concerns, and businesses are going to have to adapt. He wrote in a perspective piece in JAMA Internal Medicine, he thinks lessons learned while running what he calls first world errands provide lessons for the healthcare system. I went to the dry cleaner and I picked up dry cleaning that had been sitting there for more than six weeks because the place had been closed. And I didn't drop off dry cleaning because who needs dry cleaning right now? And, you know, I was wearing a mask and I was talking to the woman who runs the dry cleaning shop and she told me business is down 90%. We were standing far apart and I was wearing a mask and she was wearing a mask, but no amount of safety is going to bring back business if the demand isn't fundamentally there. And that's an important lesson for healthcare as well, which is that the kinds of things that always brought patients in may not be the kinds of things that bring patients in now. People will have a different sense of demand, partly out of fear and partly out of just a different set of priorities. You wrote that you also went to get new tires on your car. What could a healthcare facility or hospital take away from your experience getting your tires changed? I went in and they, they had it down. Like there was a roped off area that kept me away from the desk. They had put a kind of table in a kind of a demilitarized zone where I could um, put my car keys into an envelope and leave it on the table. And then when it came time to pick up my car, they very you know, in an almost um, stylized way, very visibly disinfected the inside of my car for, for just me, like the audience of one, you know, it was a little performance. And they did everything they could to make me see how they were protecting me. It just really illustrates that healthcare systems can't really take for granted what other people think is safe. 
I was watching uh, and reading about how health systems were showing patients that they were making the hospital safe again. And that's exactly what they did. They posted videos of them cleaning and explaining how it was going to work. Yeah. It's, you know, you can, the, the interesting thing is you can probably overdo it. I had run out of propane for my gas grill. I mean, that's about as trivial as it gets. And I had driven to the, my local hardware store and the guy at the hardware store had a mask on and I popped open my trunk and from a distance, he like, I was, I was at a distance. He took the propane out of my car and he replaced it with a new tank. He actually complimented my new tires. And, um, you know, it was like one of these like perfectly normal experiences, almost, almost no different from the experience of a year ago. And I would have to say that that was like strangely comforting given all that's been going on. One of the lessons there is that although we do want to make it seem safe, the kinds of sort of contortions we go through to make it seem safe, that there's a fine line between that and making it seem scary. You know, like if you have to gown up and get into a hazmat suit, that may be safe, but it doesn't feel safe. And so I think that some of the work that people will do in hospitals to genuinely make it safe and to make it seem safe might actually backfire. And I think we need to give a lot of attention to that too. Do you feel like you know the balance yet or is it, is it too early? Well, I think it's going to depend on the clinical circumstances. You know, the, how to make a, an endocrinology visit safe is different. Feel safe is different than how to make it a, a visit where an ophthalmologist is looking in your eyes and is standing very close. I think it'll be very context dependent. And speaking of behavior changes, it sounds like the places you went, people were wearing masks and social distancing, et cetera. But we know that not everyone around the country is following those guidelines. With your background and your research on behavioral economics, how can we get people to make those behavior changes? I think that is the challenge of the moment. And it is fundamentally a behavioral challenge. And there is genuine expertise. They can help people. They can help individuals, but certainly can help firms uh, try to understand how to change that behavior or how to maintain it, really, right? Because you're in a workplace, you're working closely with other people, you're sort of sick of the pandemic, right? Everyone, it's easy to worry about, well, if I insist that that person wear a mask, that signals that I don't trust my colleague. And, and there are just so many social kind of counter pressures that may lead us to let down our guard, to stand too close, to do the things that we shouldn't be doing. So how do we maintain that careful behavior about masks and hand washing and social distancing based on your previous research about long-lasting behavioral change? What are the kinds of things we would have done without the pandemic that are just comfortable for us? And how do we hitch these very positive behaviors to them? So one of them is that we like people sort of like to be whimsical a little bit. And you can imagine that having sort of colorful or different masks that people can wear that somehow signal something new, uh, you know, each day. Like today I'm going to, you know, have flowers on my mask. Some of these things sound so trivial, but I, I think at the same time, you know, just sort of mixing it up and being lighthearted. I think one of the challenges will be dealing with hierarchy. You know, you can imagine the junior resident scrubbing in the operating room with a very senior surgeon having a hard time telling the senior surgeon what to do uh, if that surgeon is, you know, sort of violating protocol. And there have been approaches to try to overcome the natural hierarchies that exist within organizations by 
creating rules that anybody can stop a procedure and, and creating kind of social conventions that it's acceptable to do that. And, and in fact, it's sort of mandatory to do that. People's lived experience is that change is hard and slow, especially in healthcare. So how did all of a sudden five-year plans get implemented in two weeks? One thing is I think a lot of the presumed problems weren't problems at all. It turned out the patients weren't afraid of telemedicine. They welcomed it. It turns out the doctors weren't afraid of telemedicine. They welcomed it. I think the new normal is that a lot of doctors, let's say primary care doctors, are going to welcome the idea that maybe they'll be in the office three days a week, but they'll be home two days a week as a kind of way to mix it up a little bit. What was the problem? Well, the problem was that we had set up a bunch of regulations and payment structures that created enormous headwinds against telemedicine, and those were relaxed. And the real question is, now, you know, can, are, are the insurance companies going to be able to get the toothpaste back in the tube? Frankly, I hope not. I think they were wrong to, be, um, to put so many uh, breaks on telemedicine. I know why they did it. They did it because they were worried about having runaway demand, because if you make healthcare easy, then we'll have more healthcare. I'm expecting a lot of change to stick. At least I'm hoping it will stick. And I think some of this is just, the, frankly, it's not behavioral economics. It's sort of standard economics, right? It's, a, it's about financial incentives there. And I think we need to overcome some of the perverse financial incentives that we see in the insurance industry. I understand that the Penn Medicine Center for Healthcare Innovation created a texting program that has been used for a couple thousand COVID patients at home to monitor their health and recovery. Do you think that the push to do more remote patient monitoring is going to be longer lasting now that everyone has realized it isn't all that hard? What we found is that we were managing 98% of the patients remotely, and not only just remotely, automatically without any personnel at all. Think about the efficiencies that we could provide to healthcare if we could think about similar programs for managing hypertension or diabetes or hyperlipidemia or anxiety disorders or depression. There's so much that we could do through combinations of kind of automated care and facilitated self-service with escalations to clinicians only when needed. And I think that's a kind of transformation of care that is going to be enduring if we can figure out a way to apply it to other clinical settings and we can figure out a way to, frankly, reimburse it. That was Dr. David Ash. He's a behavioral economist and doctor, professor at the University of Pennsylvania's Medical and Business School, and directs the Penn Medicine Center for Healthcare Innovation. He's also a partner at behavioral health economics consulting firm Val Health. Thanks for listening to Just Healthcare Daily. I'm Alex Olgan. You can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news on JustHealthcare.com. Just Healthcare Daily is an independent production of Just Healthcare. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.